Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ and welcome to Christ Church of Livingston County Teaching Ministry. Christ Church is a member of the Communion of Reformed Evangelical Churches, Tyndale Presbytery. The following audio recording is from a Covenant Renewal Liturgy at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. The call to confession this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 5. The fifth commandment. Hear God's word. Honor your father and your mother, as the Lord your God commanded you, that your days may be long, and that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Today is Mother's Day, and a happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. I want to say three things here today about this fifth commandment. First of all, Scripture tells us straight up to honor our mothers. Our culture parades before us many ungrateful children who blame all their problems on their parents. And there is a better way, even if your parents were monsters, there is a better way. I commend to you Jim Wilson's book on uh, bitterness, and he has several chapters in there on practical uh, applications of how to honor your fathers and mothers. Uh, So uh, we're called this morning to confess any resentment or bitterness that arises when you think about your parents. Some of us struggle mightily with this, and I would encourage you to find a way to honor your parents today. Second, the scripture says that your days may be long and that it may be well with you. That's an interesting one that always raises some uh, witty remarks here. One I like is the, uh, the movie by Arnold Schwarzenegger where he says, come with me if you want to live. Right? It's similar to that. There's a definite connection between a long, happy life and a good relationship with your parents. As Romans says, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all men. And that includes our parents. But also, number three, to be a faithful pastor, I should also say that mothers sin in particular ways, too. We need to be careful as mothers. It's easy to get impatient with children who are slow to listen. It's easy to resent an ungrateful family when they take you for granted. It's easy to give up on responsibilities halfway through raising children and just coast. It's easy to give in to discouragement and despair. And there's more, but I'm already out of it. I so just back off slowly. Today is a day to commend mothers, and we should. Let's also renew our commitment to God's designed for the man and the woman, and specifically, what are mothers for on this Mother's Day? Let's start at verse 18, chapter 2 of Genesis. Let's pray first. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this word. We thank you that it is a sure foundation for us. Lord, we hear in it, you tell us that even when everything around us is shaking when we uh, are tempted to fear. We have a mighty fortress in you. And so we take refuge in you once again this morning. Help us to hear you, to understand what you're telling us, uh, to receive and to embrace the truth of it, and by your spirit to change 
uh, our course of action, our behavior, our thoughts, our desires to be in line with your will. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Hear God's word, Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. So out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. The grass withers, the flower fades, but this word of God stands forever. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. About 60 years ago now, uh, a woman by the name of Betty Friedan wrote a book called The Feminine Mystique. She was one of the early feminists. Here's a quote I want to begin this morning with. She writes this. Each suburban wife struggles with it alone. As she makes the beds, shops for groceries, matches slipcover material, eats PBJs with her children, lies beside her husband at night. She is afraid to even ask herself the silent question. Is this all? Betty Friedan. Besides Marxism, I can think of nothing that has been so successful at sowing discontent and envy in the hearts of people than this kind of feminism. Sowing discontent with the calling of being a wife and a mother. That's what I've noticed and been thinking about this week in stark contrast with the biblical vision, positive vision of motherhood. We have experiences of broken families. We have feminist movements that are directly attacking that. So let's consider Genesis 2 a moment, topically here. What is the woman, what is motherhood for? Genesis 2 is quite clear. The woman is given to the man to be a helper. All the other animals had a mate, but Adam was alone. It's interesting, I, I love the uh, verses 18 to 20. The, the poetry of Genesis 1 and 2 is just wonderful and beautiful. Um, I think it's one of the weaknesses of the conservative church in the last 50, 75 years or so, when we've so wanted to emphasize the historicity of Genesis 1 and 2, which we need to do, that we end up ignoring or even denying the poetry of it. Look at verses 18 through 20 again. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper. So what does God do? He forms every beast of the field and bird of the heavens and brings him to the man. Maybe this is your helper. 
Maybe that's your helper. It's almost funny. And sometimes we talk about, you know, the dog is man's best friend, right? It's no comparison to what God brings in Eve. There's a lot to learn there. One thing is that sometimes God likes to draw things out. He likes to make you wait. He likes to make you realize what you need. And then it'll take a while before you get it. That's what God does here. Adam has to wait for his helper. He has a lot of work to do first, naming all those animals. Sometimes women have to wait for God's delayed timing in marriage or for children, whatever it may be. Malachi 2 tells us that uh, God gives us um, marriage for companionship and for offspring. Women are, are built for relationship, for childbirth. Uh, women typically have a higher emotional IQ than men do. They have what we call women's intuition. Right? These things are designed to be an asset to the family. Men are built to, to till and to guard. Right? Men are built for more extreme physical exertion, for readiness. Right? Women are built differently. And this is partly why, think about Ephesians 5, God tells women they need to respect their husbands. They need that. And it can be harder for the wife to do. Men need to love their wives. Men need relationship. And it's often harder for the husband to give. What do you mean I don't love you? I fixed the washing machine. I fixed the dishwasher. I fixed the car. I work long hours. I have to do more? Yeah. You see, we're, we're built differently. We're prone to do different things, and we need to balance that out. Don't overdo the distinction between men and women. Uh, women need a sense of accomplishment. Uh, men need that in their work. Women need it too. Compliment uh, your wives, mothers, for what they do. Men need love and affection and relationship, however much we may deny it. it, it the distinction is it, not to be overdone. Well, back to Genesis 2. God brings a helper to the man. He brings all, all the beasts of the field, the birds, first. He names them all, but none of them are a suitable helper. The woman is not an animal. The woman is not another species. Some manosphere teaching implies this. No, she's bone of your bone. If you're, if you're more about keeping your masculinity than you are about loving your wife, then there's a problem. Right? Delight in the woman, the helper God gives you. Proverbs 31 is, is good on this too. At the beginning of Proverbs 31, you'll notice it's not Solomon saying to find a woman who will drudge for you from sunup to sundown. That's not what Proverbs 31 is saying. It's the king's mother who's giving the teaching for one thing. In verse 1 of that chapter, you see that. Telling the king what kind of woman to look for. Now, must a wife obey her husband? Yes. Uh, must a sheep submit to their, the shepherd's care? Yes. But the sheep, the sheep will bleat at the shepherd to tell him there's something wrong. And, and the shepherd listens and is patient and caring and goes out of his way to help the sheep. Does that mean that the sheep can tell the shepherd how to care for the sheep? Not necessarily. But the sheep know good care when they get it. Must the church submit to her elders and to her Lord's teaching? Yes. But the pastor's crazy if he doesn't listen to how the church is hurting and struggling. Does that mean church members can direct the session or the pastor and 
and tell, tell them how to care for them? Well, no, but the church knows good care when they get it. Must a wife obey her husband? Well, yes, but the husband is crazy if he doesn't take his wife's advice, see her perspective, take it into account. Does that mean the wife directs her husband, tells him what to do? No, but a wife knows good husbanding when she gets it. We had Rich Lusk here for the presbytery, and uh, he had a good uh, zinger at one point in one of the talks. He said, he was talking about what a, what a faithful, good church needs to be today. And he said, one thing we should be looking for in the churches is, does, does the church have men that are leading and women who are appreciating how they're leading? And both are important, right? I've been in churches where the men aren't leading, and I've been in churches where the men are leading, and the women, you can tell, don't really appreciate it very much. You need both. You need good leadership that's, that's causing everyone to thrive. Keeps, it always brings me back to the movie, my, what is it? I keep getting the title wrong. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, is that it? Where, where the, woman, the wife says, the man may be the head, but the woman is the neck. The neck can turn the head however she wants. <laughs> That's diabolical. <laughs> but on the other hand, the wife should not hold back from sharing her view with her husband, even if she knows, thinks that he'll disagree. It's important to t think through those things together. Women are for mothering, Genesis 2 tells us. The design from creation is that she bear children. Now, will every woman have biological children? No. And this day is especially hard on women who want to have children but don't, as I prayed about, those whose children have abandoned them, who, who've lost children to miscarriage or to early death. God's natural design has been damaged by the fall. So thorns and thistles pierce our soul in this calling as in every other. And, and notice that as the gospel central point today. That it was hard even to read it. John 19, Jesus on the cross, right at the moment when Jesus is atoning for our sins, a mother is watching her 33-year-old boy be wrongfully executed. And she can't stop it. The effect of the fall pierced that mother's soul. So you women and mothers who are hurting today, stand with Mary at the foot of the cross. A mother's grief and pain is to be honored. Sometimes it cannot be removed but the cross is right there at the center in that painful situation. Jesus has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. And in the end, that cross will bring restoration. So women are for mothering by God's creation design. We need to emphasize that a lot these days as our world likes to go against nature so much. So for you moms, you were made for this. You're, you're doing your high calling. It's glorious. 
Don't believe the lies of the world that say that motherhood is a waste of time and energy. Betty Friedan's lie is deeply embedded in us. That domestic life is drudgery and servitude, bound to leave women unhappy, unfulfilled. You aren't happy at home, are you? Is the constant message. A woman can't possibly live up to her potential uh, if she devotes herself to a husband and children in their home, is the lie. She knows she has to be a lawyer, a doctor, a, make something of herself outside the home. It's not true. Now, it's, it is true, if we look at Proverbs 31, we do see the woman going outside of the home. If a woman can contribute her gifts to society beyond the home without sacrificing her primary role there, or if she needs to, to help the family make ends meet, then great, and let her. Proverbs 31 shows some of that. But mothering is a glorious calling and that we should embrace and hold up as valuable. Uh, you mothers of little ones, you're, you're gloriously entangled full-time with children. Right? It's exhausting. It's life-consuming for several years. And it's meant to be. That's how it's supposed to be. What is it that mothers do? They nurture, they feed, they care. Uh, not all moms are the same, we should remember. There, there's general patterns, but there's also personalities that are different. We tend to think of all moms as soft, tender, caring, emotional, sentimental. We absolutize the gender differences a bit too much. Moms can have a real hard, tough side, and they need to, and that's good. They, they deal with the gross side of babies far better than some dads do. I don't know if you ever noticed that. Some moms are less compassionate by nature. Kids need that too, some tough love. Or motherhood can soften hard edges where that's needed. Mothers uh, give that kind of care. Mothers need love, they need appreciation, they need help. Three things. It's easy for husbands and children to exasperate them by withholding those things. Love and appreciation and help. Those first two, love and appreciation, those first two are often not a man's strength, as I've already mentioned. A couple of funny examples about that. One, I don't watch it anymore, but I used to watch The Simpsons growing up. Homer Simpson was a piece of work, and... At one point, I think it was on Mother's Day or on his wife's birthday, he gets his wife Marge a bowling ball for a present. She doesn't bowl. He loves bowling. And she turns it around, and it's actually got etched onto the ball the name Homer. He actually put his own name on the ball, gets it for his wife. Oh, we can be so selfish sometimes. We start out trying to love our wives, and we wind up just serving ourselves. It's often the case with us. Another funny example I had in a church uh, long ago, an elder was praying for expectant mothers, uh, and one of those moms was near her due date, and he wanted to pray that the delivery would go smoothly without incident, right? And, and the words came out wrong, and he said, just let this birth be a non-event. Like, oops, <laughs> that, that's not what he meant either. You know, ladies, we can put our foot in our mouth a lot. You just realize that you, you, there's the heart of God there a little bit, I think. 
Sometimes I think God just looks down on us in our foolishness and he's shaking his head with a wry smile. They're trying so hard to love me, but they can be so dumb sometimes. That, that's the heart of God. Each of us needs help in our callings. We, we aren't meant to do it completely ourselves. As a pastor, I need help often knowing what to do from other pastors, from the session, and so on. But it's good to get help uh, in your calling from your spouse as well. Every now and then I'm struggling with a sermon and I'll ask my wife uh, a question about it and get some valuable insight that gets me unstuck. That's a good thing. That's a great blessing. Now, if she's writing all my sermons for me, that's not so great. Right? You see the distinction. We encourage, we advise our friends, our, our spouses, but it's their calling. And this goes the other way, too. Husbands should encourage and advise and help their wives. But it's their calling. Don't get too micromanaging, too directive. It's their calling. Doug and Nancy Wilson like to say, Nancy is the household despot. <laughs> she, she, she's the tyrant of the... She has all authority in that home. If she decides the shoes are going to go over there instead of over there, then Doug puts the shoes over there and not over there. Right? You, you model honoring mom in those kinds of ways because that's her calling. She has authority in the home. A wise husband will advise when she asks, but usually delegate the final call to her since it's her realm. Each of us needs help in our callings. Coming towards the end here, communicate is another thing. First Peter 5 tells us that husbands need to dwell with your wives with understanding. That's very important. That's, that's important for the relationship. It's important for the clarity of her calling. You have to negotiate the things that need to be done. Husbands, you ought to lead by sitting your wife down, maybe with the older kids too, and do some family business. Ask questions. How's it going here at home? What, what are you worried about? What are you struggling to do well? What can I do? Is there some structural change we need? need to teach our children to help from a young age in the home. need to understand what's going on and make decisions accordingly. Dwell with her with understanding. That's an important thing. When, when a wife feels over time like her husband just doesn't understand her, it's a deeply isolating and lonely experience. We need to make sure that's not happening. Finally, back to the gospel. It's, I would encourage you on this day, it, it's been a tough week. On this day, I would encourage you to see the brokenness in each of our callings. The thorns and the thistles that come up. Comes up in Genesis 3, the very next chapter. In the husband's work, in, in the wife and the mother's calling to raise children, there's going to be brokenness and pain. It's not going to be easy something I'd encourage you young people especially today. Those of you who are having your first children, singles, there's a lot of, I didn't have this in my notes, I'm going to wing it. There's a lot of idealism and um, positive energy in starting out. Your children are young, you imagine them uh, um, being uh, successful working in uh, your business in a generation 
and so on. And these are good dreams. These are good things to work toward. But we often don't see the suffering that's coming. And in most cases, there's suffering coming. God will make you wait for something. He'll take something away, whatever it is. And if we don't realize that that's going to be coming, we'll be thrown for a loop when it does. Many people lose their faith because they think, I, I'm walking with the Lord now. He can't let anything bad happen to me. No, God brings uh, troubles and trials into our lives. Hebrews 12 uh, is an excellent passage on that. I just uh, heard a good sermon on Hebrews 12 yesterday. We need that to realize God is disciplining us. He's maturing us when hard times come. So see the brokenness in your calling. Where things aren't going your way, where you need to wait, uh, where things have gone wrong. See God's grace uh, ready to restore you. Because that is coming too. So women, wives, mothers, you fulfill the dominion mandate in your callings by being fruitful by multiplying in so many various ways. And may God be praised in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you that you have blessed us with mothers. Thank you that uh, through their uh, work, uh, through your grace, you help them to work. And they bless and grow and feed and water others. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you would help us to see uh, each of the various gifts that you give to us. We have different holidays on the church calendar, uh, in the civil calendar, many of them uh, to celebrate uh, singly and separately each of your gifts. And here is one, Lord, help us to thank you for it and to thank our mothers. simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. One of the things about mothers is that they set tables. The church is a mother of sorts, designed to feed God's children with his bread and wine, to call out in the streets for the simple, to enter God's house and find wisdom. Now moms aren't perfect, and neither is the church. On a Tuesday noon, you might find mom whipping out the plates, slapping on the PBJ, being a little short with the kids. But we're called to honor mom as best as we can. Is she giving you nutrition and not poison? Then stay and eat what you are served. We can have very particular palates when it comes to our theological taste on the menu. And mom might serve something else once in a while. Jesus sees to it at this table that whatever the faults of the server, it is he himself that you receive. So do not shrink back. Come and welcome 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. These are gifts of God for the people of God. The body of Christ broken for you. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to this audio recording from Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in this recording, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact us through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.